Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Action. What? What? Oh, action. action. Wow. Oh. Tomorrow we have the very first scenes in the show. Even 23 years in. I'm excited. Terrified and excited. Yeah, I'm panicked. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the worst idea of all time. A little bit of context. It's Tim Bat here. I'm sitting with Guy Montgomery in my baby's bedroom, nursery, some would call it. Yeah, he's a nursery man now, this guy, Tim Bat. Eight he's, years um, ago, Guy and I set out to watch Grown Ups 2 once a week, every week for a year, and we did that. Since then, we've watched Sex in the City, the movie, and Sex in the City 2, the movie, 52 times a piece, and reviewed it. Some of us a little more. Yes. Later, in 2022, Mattress Parklet King teamed back up with Sarah Jessica Parker, Kristen Davis, and Cynthia Nixon, but notably not Kim Cattrall, to produce a series called And Just Like That, which is part of the Sex in the City cinematic universe, which we all know does not include the non-canonical television series from the 90s and noughties. Guy Montgomery and I have today now also watched the making of documentary. Guy is shaking his head in disbelief at me relaying <laughs> the path that has led us here to this moment. Uh, yeah. When when it it's just one of those things when it's all laid out in front of you, you can really feel the weight of us. It's incredible in life how one tiny decision can just unravel so much. <laughs> and what are we doing here? And yes. that is actually something I felt for the entirety of this making of documentary was um, what it really hammered home for me is just how much this show is not for us. <laughs> and. You know, at the risk of upsetting the people who the documentary was for. Yeah. I don't know that that documentary was for anyone. It yeah. Was, to me, it was mostly like a reminder about how many people are required to make a high-budget TV show or movie. Yeah. It's interesting because in a lot of ways, there was something for no one. But in some ways, there was something for everyone. Mm. Because... There was the first, I would say, third of this hour-long doc- making of documentary. I couldn't really follow what they were doing or saying. Or was, uh, they keep cutting to like a scatty jazz beat, and then they would have some, you know, slightly hard to discern dialogue happening between the cast and crew. 
I couldn't really follow the sequence of events very well. It felt like um, a, a strung together series of like rejected Instagram stories ideas. <laughs> yeah, it was a series of TikToks from the crew in the first third. But I mean, also you know, a making of documentary like how many um, points of interest and barriers we've cleared to make it to this documentary? Like how deep we as consumers or, you know, your more traditional fans mm. who are doing it for the love of it, which uh, I enjoyed the series. I don't know if that's just like I, that. I don't know if that's what I said at the time, but I, I enjoyed... You got there. I enjoyed watching it. But it, like, this is just... It felt kind of, I guess it communicated, it had the same unclear audience as the show itself, which is like a lot of it was pandering to historical fans of the non-canonical parts of the Sex and the City universe. We're traipsing through wardrobes with the original wardrobe designer. We're looking at all of Carrie's old iconic looks. She's pulling them out, holding them up. And then after surveying so many different looks, she says, and we're going to put all of these in her wardrobe mm. as treats for the fans. Yeah. Um. You know, we see they the middle, the middle third was them going through um what all the crew members do on a on a TV yeah, or yeah. movie set, it's which like, was nice. It was like I'm the key gaffer and I it, deal with the it lights. Was, it was like an Adam McKay insert in one of his movies or TV shows, <laughs> yeah. which is like a gaffer is pretty much a person who is responsible for camera movement. Uh, so or lights rather. But that's what I mean. Well, both as we found out that's in right, this documentary, yeah, and we we're, we're learning. We're learning, and that's what I mean by there was something for everyone. Because if you were a fan of um, sort of like jazz influenced, almost like poetically put together sound and images, that's your first third of this documentary. That's right. Yeah. Doesn't have to make sense. It's about vibe, it's about tone. There was tone. We got that. If you're interested in how the movies get made and the television shows, that's in here too. And if you're a fan of fashion, well, boy, howdy, check out a 10-minute conversation about a hat. Not hats, one hat. A single hat that causes you know what? a rift. In- incredibly, that was the most interesting part of the entire documentary. They save it for the very end. It's about the last 10 minutes. And it is because it feels focused, I can actually, as a consumer, as a watcher, identify the central, um, like, point of contention, the the purpose for all of this footage being there, which is Sarah Jessica Parker falls in love. It's about a woman who loves a hat. With a hat. And it's an absolute dog shit hat. It's like... The she, hat sucks. We've got to lead with that. Yeah. Think of like a Panama hat, but they've tried to make it sort of fashion forward. 2D. She's in a room doing a wardrobe check and there's like this really, really squashed hat on a table and she walks over to it and she goes... This hat. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're thinking about throwing out that hat. And she's like, no, no, no. And then she puts on the hat. And then she sort of sculpts Carrie's whole outfit and this whole personality around it. And uh, she's wearing it on set. She's got the this bald hair technician helping her out. And Tim was like, love to see a bald hair technician. We stand a bald hairstylist. This is Sarah Jessica Parker's hairstylist for the series. I, I mean, to and me, hair is so important in the show because it's all about yeah. like fashion and looks and aesthetics of everything. See, the thing to me is, motherfucker's bald. He has yeah, yeah. Hair. no, you put a bald man in charge of hats, 
never put a bald man in charge of hair. To his credit, he does do a bang-up job. But so he's fitting the hat for the actual on the day. So she's now wearing the costume. She's got the full look together. She's on set. She's like, about, they're about to shoot the scene. And then Mattress Pikeler comes up to her and he says, the first thing you got to know is that hat looks fantastic. <laughs> and the second thing you got to do is take off that fucking hat because it's driving me crazy. It's so funny. I didn't even fully, I couldn't quite grasp exactly what was going because he was like, I'm going to have to tell Jessica. He calls her Jessica. Mm. He's always done that. I've noticed that in previous things. He calls her Jessica, and he's like, I'm going to have to tell Jessica this hat's got to go. I'm basically representing the network at this point. I'm like, what is going going on here? He's like, she can have the hat in one scene, but then I've got to take her off. I've got to take it off her because it's not going to work in multiple scenes. I'm like, why would anyone think that's a good idea? This hat's fucking a trade. Just tell her she's got to ditch the hat. And then he's totally right because he goes up to her and tentatively tries to let SJP know that this hat's not going to fly. She's fucking devastated. We yeah. get a, a Big Brother-style piece to camera about the disappointment that SJP that's is right. feeling, the emotional it, tumult there's a, of um, losing the hat. There's a poem written by an anonymous scribe on set, which is sort of, it's meant to be tongue-in-cheek. but it's Very it, menacing. It's about uh, burying Mattress Pikelet King as a dead body with the hat. With the hat under Carrie Bradshaw's wardrobe. We... we I don't know if I talked through a bit or what. It was either written by Molly, who's the universally beloved uh, costume yeah. designer, like, do you call it? Yeah, costume. She, I, she picks the clothes yeah. for the ladies. It's an important job. Or by SJP herself. I want to think it's the latter, but, but probably the former. For those sort of 10, 15 minutes, there's a beautifully focused short story about tensions between creative collaborators and you know responsibilities on set and about um i guess conflict and conflict resolution and well for- it's, or is it just about a fucking weird hat well man. it's all it's all relative isn't it because if you've sat through this sort of this jazzy scatty sort of hey it's great to be back with carrie bradshaw we're in a subway new york but it's not the subway station you think we put stickers over all the sides don't tell anyone but if you 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 navigate your way through all of that sort of randomly selected footage all of a sudden it feels like um wow we really got a little we've got a beautiful little moment here with this i I honestly think that guy and i are both so tired at this point that we gave this thing a pretty fair shake because we were just like fuck it is nice to sit for an hour (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing was verbalized through the thing but i felt a great sense of the baby fell asleep and i was like boy howdy i think guy and i are really soaking up a 60 minutes sit on a we, couch yeah yeah and it, it, it just so happened to be the thing that was on in front anything of anything could have been on at that stage yeah i think we would have accepted it into it felt, our hearts but, i mean it, and i wasn't ungrateful for being able to sit for a long amount of time but it felt long it was a long 60 minutes mm. I agree. There were, and there were moments. It just like, felt a yeah. I it, it kind of found its way as it got into it, and it was like, cool. Maybe just fucking ditch the first forty minutes of this. Well, the, start at the hat and end on them in Paris. Paris apparently was a big deal. Yeah, no yeah. one's been to fucking Paris before. Yeah, Everyone they, thinks they, that they, Paris they is France. A hypothetical mystery. There were place some, that some exists only in the mind and the soul. Nice reminders. You can fly to Paris. Anyone can. You just buy a ticket and you go there. Yeah, that's true. They're rich. 
I'm not yeah. talking the characters. All the people who make the shit. You can just buy a plane ticket and travel to Paris. You don't have to go for work. You could go in your leisure time. Wait, and you'd probably have a lot more time to do touristy stuff. You could visit the Louvre. Chandelier. Um, Am I Arc saying that correctly? Arc de Triomphe. The uh, Pompidou. The Stade de France. The um, uh, one of the, uh, the famous rivers. The number of things you could do is limitless. But watching it made me think of a few moments and performances that maybe I didn't give credit or didn't. You know, you don't think about the context of the actors stepping into the roles and stepping into this this world and this universe, which is so beloved, and how intimidating that might have been for these. New woman who yeah. were cast as essentially uh, multiple Samantha replacements. God, it was funny. So they talked about this. At first, they were like, we didn't want Naya to replace Samantha. And I was like, oh, yeah. I never got to the bottom of which one was supposed to be the Samantha replacement. Because there was so much written and said before the series came out and we watched it about like, oh, they've cast all these new ladies to replace Samantha. I was like, which one of these... Which one of these actors is uh, supposed to be the um, Kim Cattrall replacement? And it was a bit of an amalgamated effort, I thought. I'm happy to circle back, though, I think. as a, uh, In my opinion, it was Seema. Yes. With, uh, because but of that's like, not what they said. They no, said it no. was Naya, no, who no, was they, the law they, professor for Miranda. Well, everyone had a little turn doing it. But to that's me, what I'm saying. The, the closest but friend. In the of, doco, they sort of identified. Yeah, but they don't know people. what the fuck they're talking about. They don't about know what they're talking about, man. They were talking about the TV series as if that fucking matters. Yeah. And I, I really, but it really gave me um, respect for. I've just got to find the, the actor's name. I mean, first of all, all of all of those actors, but specifically for the woman who plays oh, Lisa Sina? Todd Wexley, oh, Nicole right, yeah. Ari Parker. Who they even splashed across a, a screen cap of a news article, which was saying she's receiving backlash for replacing Samantha, and that you know gave me the. There's a whole other person. This is, so now we're up to the third Samantha replacement. Why? Well, you know, she leaves a massive Samantha-shaped hole. Um, but I thought that this woman Nicole Ari Parker was absolutely. Fantastic as Lisa Todd Wexley. Oh, yeah. She was a great character. And, what and she, she was the one whose husband was um, the musical theatre actor in Hamilton, which I enjoyed a lot. Yeah. And, and watching um, watching her, like, seeing the... seeing, the, I have difficulty divorcing some of the actors from their characters because the only time I've actually spent with them has been in character. Mm-hmm. SJP gets a lot of screen time, and so you can draw a pretty clear line between her and Carrie. Although there is overlap. Like, she does, she does go full immersion. She becomes the... The set, the set dresser, like she gets really deep into costume. She's very tactile. They say she's very particular about what's on set. She wants it to feel like she's been living I, in the room. I sort of appreciated that. They did get into SJP's like method yeah. quite a bit. And you see, because her comment on it is basically, like it is very close to method acting, what she's doing. She's like, I sort of have to be across everything in Carrie's world for it to feel real to me and be able to interact. And the short version of that is, Sarah Jessica Parker, she loves doing shit. Yeah. The camera's on. She's got to be holding a coffee mug, opening a bag, yeah. putting a fucking dumb hat on. We saw. She's a very hands. She's like, what do I do with my hands? I've got to be doing something. Honestly, I haven't done a lot of acting, but the times I have, if you don't have something to do with your hands, those things will lead you down the garden path. 
they're a very challenging thing to like. You know, in life, everyone's pretty natural with their hands. You know yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. On camera, your you hands suddenly it. become these very unnatural extensions of like you know. How do I walk? How do I breathe? Yeah. Well, we saw some scenes where she was uh, she was doing that. It was the scene where she she finds out that Biggs left a million dollars to his ex wife in her will, and we got to see a lot of different takes, a lot of different performances of her freaking out about that on the phone and to Cynthia Nixon's Miranda, who was in the kitchen. And uh, it was nice to see her make some different offers. It was nice to just actually, you know, for them to sh- give us, it was not a lot, but just a glimpse of the the functional behind the scenes part of it. Like yeah. The, the, the craft, actual, what, the, like the shooting yeah, bits. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, fuck, there's a lot of people involved, eh? Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of money. A lot, lot, of, of, lot of big things, a lot of big lights. And a lot, a lot of, of masks. Big cameras. Yeah. Everyone's in protective gear. God, Everyone it must have been a pain in the ass, eh? Yeah. Unless you're acting. And unless your scene is live, you're wearing a mask. Yeah, they were even uh, blocking scenes. This little fucking industry team for you. Yeah, you're a smart guy. They were blocking, and they'd have to have the masks on. Uh, another thing I enjoyed they they showed they highlighted Cynthia Nixon's directorial debut on the show, and we got to see her directing process. And we also got to hear from uh, Kristen Davis and Sarah Jessica Parker and how it felt to be directed by Cynthia Nixon while they were acting against her in scenes. Yes. One person I would have loved to have heard from in this documentary, Kim Cattrall. Yeah. Sex in the City's Samantha Jones. She was notable in her absence. They all gave themselves a pretty hearty pat on the back <laughs> for how they handled really her did. absence. It was very tasteful, very classy. It <laughs> reflected like real friendships. If one of us, if we, Guy and Tim have a falling out and one of us just starts, starts doing the podcast with some other person... And the and the, so guy ditches Tim. Guy continues to do worst idea. Um, guy has started doing it with Reese Matthewson, which actually I think would be a fantastic yeah, show. People would love it. It'd be really, really good, really strong duo. <laughs> and there are mentions of the old co-host Tim. And I'm I'm ropeable. I've been like cut out. I'm ropeable, but I don't have a microphone you don't anymore. Have right of reply. I have nothing. I've been deplatformed. <laughs> And we say, I tell you, I think we really handled the Tim thing really well. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I want to talk extensively about how well we yeah. handled that. It's pretty easy to pat yourself on the back about how you handled something when the person who you're talking about <laughs> has tape over their mouth. Truly, if they're not there, just don't bring it up. Stop talking about it. Yeah. Well, I t- I it's mean, not hard. I, I do I did it did give me a glimmer a glimpse a moment of understanding for the fact that it had to be addressed somehow but you could have done it once at the top and left it alone you, you kept, go this is what you say we asked if Kim Cattrall wanted to be in the show she didn't think about it now they did the full season Kim Cattrall head held high morals intact has her reasons says no yeah. We know, and just like that, has been commissioned for a second run. Yes. They have kept Samantha Jones' character alive throughout the yeah, entire series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only that, but like the final frame from memory is, is kind of they a conversation the, to yeah, her. They extend the older brother to say, it's still, it's still here. What do you think, brother? Do you think they're going to get her own? I think she'll say no. I don't know anything about her financial it, situation. It would be crazy to come in season two after everything that's happened. Would you like that? W- oh, I would love it. Because we're going to have to watch this goddamn thing. I would love to see Samantha Jones in the mix. I, it would be crazy. From a like a meta you know, franchise point of view, 
it's like the Avengers, except it would be like if you started with the Avengers, then they all broke up, and then we found out that, I don't know, Mark Ruffalo hated doing Marvel movies, but then he came back later. Yeah. This is a bit, the, the wheels really like, fell pe- off that people, metaphor. Things change. Time changes everything. They say time heals all wounds, and they also say stuff like money talks. I mean, I've, I've heard people saying something as, you know, as far-fetched as um, it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. That's something I've been getting off the ground. I said that. Oh, is that was that one of yours? That's me. That's a Tim Bat thing. Man. I never thought – I never had you pegged as a guy who could coin an idiom. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'd be interested to I'd – be, I'd be really interested to find out. What were some of the other little nuggets they buried inside of this? Well, do you want to talk about Paris a little bit? I mean, we sort of mentioned it, but, like, man, they've got a boner for Paris in this thing. Everyone's talking about Paris with such reverency. I've never been, but I know a lot of people who have, and the consistent feedback I get about Paris, France, is that it smells bad. Oh, I've been to Paris. How does it smell? I don't remember the smell. Well, so I guess neutral. I don't think you've been. Well, no, I, I, I have. I don't believe it. Because I don't believe it. Everyone else tell me it, tells me it stinks. They didn't mention it stinks on the show. Maybe, maybe they you know, haven't been either. Well, maybe they're just hanging out in the right neighbourhoods. I, Carrie loves Paris, and so everyone loves Paris. And like these people who've been with this show, not just the actors, but the people behind the scenes, the costume people, the you know the camp, the DOP, the gaffer, all of these people have been with the show. The script consultant, who we find out um, turned down a, sp- a job on a Spielberg film to do the uh, and just like that reboot, which seems. Crazy to me, yeah. But obviously, it might be a fun working environment as long as you're not Kim Cattrall. All these people have spent so long with this show and these characters. You can see that there is a genuine love and reverence for the thing they're working on. And I would love to see a behind-the-scenes documentary on the making of Sex in the City Two to understand where the <laughs> fuck they were at at that point. Because I reckon it would be a very different movie. Here's what I think happened. I think, uh, so Sex and City 2 came out in... 2008? 20... Or was it 10? 10, I want to say. I think it was 10. So we, from memory, are st- I think oh, we're a little ways into the Blu-ray versus HD DVD war. So I think DVDs are still very much a thing. Blu-rays are... Coming in thick and fast, I think, because the, the PlayStation 4 is out. So what I'm saying is we've still got physical media. And back when we had physical media, there was a lot more behind-the-scenes documentaries, making yeah, of yeah, and films. Yeah, yeah. I think they made one for Sex and the City 2. I think they threw it in the bin when they accidentally recorded the animosity I'm, between these players. I'm looking up the special features right now, and you can buy it on Amazon – Two disc special edition. Yep. You want to know what it comes with? Yes, yes. Give me that product. Very much so. What? Give me the product information. Tell me a little bit about what I'm paying for when I get that second disc. I'm not shocked it doesn't go through the features. Really? Yeah, I'm not shocked by that. I'm not shocked by that at all. But I, yeah, my money would be until Guy can prove me right or wrong. I reckon that they filmed it and they threw it in the bin because it was too. Spicy. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to, so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. You might be right. I'm devastated about that. I would love to know what sort of stuff you can get. I think the same about The Hobbit, although I know there are a lot of makings of, of The Hobbit, but the Ho- I'm fascinated by the making of The Hobbit. Really? Yeah. Shit went on, man. Shit went on during the making of The Can we speak about this just briefly? Yeah. A little detour? I don't mind. Dude, The Hobbit, man, it's crazy. What, what do you know about it? So we've got, so you can hear, I've got a baby here if that wasn't I mean, in, uh, I, I completely can't just, apparent. I can't just hear it, Tim. I can see it. I'm looking at this guy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> he's blind raspberries. He he's, doesn't like Peter Jackson. He's, yeah, yeah. So we had, uh, uh, I hope I'm saying his name right, Guillermo del Toro, who got to a really advanced stage of mapping this movie out with like previs on the special he's effects. He's a massive a del Toro work. fan. He's still, still <laughs> stuck. <laughs> and... They, yeah, he got to a really advanced stage, and the version I've heard is that the um, the studio at that point were like, yo, guess what? This ain't one film. This is three. And he said, bruh, this is one movie. And they said, get the fuck, you fucking easy. You're not going to like get who we've been here. talking to. <laughs> <laughs> so then they get Peter Jackson in, who's like, three films. Okay, I guess. But he comes in so late that... He's got no time to map anything out. All of the behind-the-scenes stuff that I've seen is Peter Jackson, like, gaunt thin and racing around trying to get in his head just some idea of how to make a scene work on the fly with these, like, visual effects technicians who are tearing their hair out. They're trying to build the aeroplane as it's taking Mm, off. Yeah. 
And uh, I, I want to see that story. I've heard spurious things about what Peter Jackson needed to do to get through the making of the three films, um, which I think a lot of New Zealanders, you know, in I've the heard, biz of yeah. heard, probably bullshit, probably bullshit. But, you know, the, the, dude, the dude was pulling off the impossible and did, but, like, at what fucking cost? Wow, I mean, I tell you this, I didn't watch them. And Me I, neither, bro. I'm amazed they made them anyway. Because they, I told him, I said, I'm not going to watch them, Pete. And then he did that that fucking crazy thing where he released them in like 48 frames per second 3D. And everyone who went and saw that version was like, I feel <laughs> ill. And this looks like it was recorded on a VHS at a wedding in the 80s. Why have you done this, Peter Jackson? Can you imagine getting to the end oh. of that? And that is the like universal response from a project that has almost killed you. Which you did out of like, I mean, my it, it it seems like Peter Jackson did it out of a sense of obligation to the franchise. Do you know what uh, you would probably do as a balm if that was what happened? You worked that hard on a project and that was the feedback you got. I reckon you'd probably take about sixty hours worth of footage of the Beatles rehearsing songs they don't know yet and just lock yourself in a vault somewhere. Be like, I'm doing this, I'm gonna get it down to eight hours, so I don't want to take any questions about it. He smashed it. He also successfully bought a mirror and installed them in yeah, Wellington. Yeah. Never fucking hates the guy. anyway. It's all by the by, guys. There, I guess. We get but, to see a lot of mattress pikelet king in this documentary. He only really gave one solid talking head interview but the camera follows him a lot behind the scenes obviously he's a very senior figure he's making a lot of decisions at one point he learns about periods and very funny he doesn't really take the information on board (laughs) with much grace he appears to be sort of confronted (laughs) he's like because they're talking about the scene and and just like that where um charlotte thinks that she's going through menopause or has and then gets a flash period. And uh, they've got this rule, we find out in the documentary, that one of the writers has to have gone through the storyline that they're writing. And so they're sort of explaining to Mattress Pikelet King in the writer's room about how all that goes. And he's got his head in his hands. So this- like, okay, so like, how does this work? <laughs> Why haven't <laughs> Yeah. He, uh, he, he like... How do you think he comes across in this? Fine. I don't know. He, Fine. Does he, he does he seem switched on to you? Like you've got to be switched on if you're across you a massive ha- project like I know. this. To like to work your way up that high to maintain and also to corral everyone to do it again. Yes and no. I don't know, man. Like the American television and film industry is so mature and switched on and unionized. That I feel like you can be way more of a muppet and get away with it because everyone really fucking knows their job. In New Zealand, you kind of need to know a little bit about every department in case you've accidentally hired a person who just doesn't yeah. know what they're you, doing. Yeah, yeah. You've hired a sound recorder who just like has never done it before and bluffed their way on onto the set. Yeah, tricked their way on. You kind of have to know a few clues to call them out. But in America, they've got like. Guilds and unions and everything's, you know, like certified and got a stamp of approval that's really hard to get. So as a director, you can kind of come in and be like, everyone knows what they're doing. Yeah. I can throw my two cents in. At one point, uh, Cynthia Nixon, when she's learning to direct or like, you know, discussing the experience of having to direct this episode, says to Mattress Pikelet, um, so what are you thinking? Like, is the tone of this episode the same or is it different from the rest of the series? And he goes, uh... 
Cynthia, you've been with the show for 20 years. I think you know the tone. And I'm like, it's not, you know, like, you're not really not answering a question here, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Like, she just wants a little guidance. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, you get it. Yeah. But, I mean, all said and done. Great to sit for 60 minutes on a couch. Yeah. I'll say that for it. Five star sit. Would you recommend this to anyone? <laughs> no. Not a single person. Not a fan of Sex in the City. Not a person who stayed well, with someone, us and someone, watched what along. About someone and just who's like that. interested in um, the biz. Yeah, there's better shit than this. Okay, if you were into like fashion, maybe maybe that. Like if you're into costume design, well, and really, like let's be. Can we be real for a second? You can be real. That's who Sex in the City and and just like that is for. It's 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 for particularly women. Who really have a boner for labels, and and we really swim in that for bold, a lot of the doco. Bold fashion, and they talk about that in the show. At one point, we see you know in this seemingly endless montage of the costume designers going through vintage clothes with various different vintage warehouse owners. We see them pull out this sort of. I can't remember who made this. It's some suit from 96. And they're like, this is gorgeous. It's got the open back. It's kind of sexy. Yeah. And I take it to Carrie. And, oh, it's a serious Jessica And she's like, that's ugly. I don't know. Like that. She's wearing <laughs> yeah. it. She's like, this is ugly. And they're like, well, it's about pushing boundaries and getting out of your comfort zone, which is kind of what the show's about. Which is cool because they did a montage at that point of all the stuff that she wore through the TV show. And you're like, yeah, this shit's wild. And it always was. And that's the thing, that's the thing with fashion, man. It's like the gap between something absolutely hideous and fashion forward is wafer thin, and that difference is confidence. It's yes. just being able to boldly keep your chin up and wear the shit out of those fucking weird clothes and that stupid hat. Yeah. She's got a thing for hats. I, 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 I shouldn't talk about it, but I did watch Sex and the City 2 a couple of times recently, <laughs> and the hat she wears onto the plane when she's flying to the United Arab Emirates and it's like the widest, oh, it's yeah, the most yeah, yeah. confrontational, <laughs> like space-sucking hat I've seen. Yeah. And because of the uniforms of the stewards who are also wearing hats, yeah. she suddenly is like, whoa, and I thought my hat yeah, was yeah. too much. And it She's is. Got, and she wears that, and there's also six and two, she wears that sort of Hades, Queen of the Underworld hat to yep, Stanford exactly. Anthony's wedding. Exactly. She's got a bad eye for hats. And the difficult thing to discern between Sarah Jessica Parker and Carrie Bradshaw is how aligned their fashion sense is because she makes a lot of decisions for Carrie and obviously she embodies the character. She knows it as well as anyone. But it is difficult to tell whether or not she signs off on all of the outfits that she wears. She's got very clear ideas. Like it is a fun opportunity for her to play dress up, maybe put on bolder outfits than she would in her real life. Yeah, I reckon Sarah Jessica Parker, in terms of taste for hats, has some of the worst... Sense I've ever seen, and it's difficult because the hair technician who would probably like to double as the hat guy, bald people know a lot about hats. Yeah, he's working alongside her, being like, I'm working so hard on this hair, and you're covering it with the worst fucking hats I've seen in my life. Really humanizes Mattress Pikelet King during that 10 minute sequence where he's like, I'm gonna have to have a conversation, and I know how it's gonna go. I would listen to a podcast. Where Sergio Parker talks about hats. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> that should exist. Get on it, iHeartRadio. But doesn't Mattress Pikelet King have a podcast? Someone was telling me this There's recently. A, there was a watch-along podcast for And Just Like That. Oh, and it was okay. done by us, the boys. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Well, listen. I'm not going to spend more than a one to two ratio discussing what we just watched. We've been talking for half an hour. It seems good. I, I, don't watch this thing. It was a weird thing to watch, but it was a you great don't need to watch it. You, what you do need to know is we've seen the announcement. We're excited by it. Or well, I am. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, looking yeah, forward yeah. to going back. I actually bought... I forgot about this. <laughs> I this is so good. I bought um, Shay Diaz comedy concert t-shirts, like a merch run for, a comedi- for the comedian Shay Diaz. Uh, I bought them online. Whom you hate. <laughs> And they arrived yesterday. Yeah. And Tim and I incidentally were meeting up to, to catch up and uh, carve out some time so we could both socialize and work. And I, I brought the T-shirts. And now Tim and I have matching Shay Diaz comedy concert T-shirts. I will say this, though. You got me a large, which was ambitious of you. Yeah, I know. But I didn't know what the sizing was going to be. It's good. I'll wear it. I'll wear it. I'll put it in the dryer. Yeah, I think the material feels like it will shrink if you it's want it to. It's a great shirt. It's a it is great a great present. shirt. I'm actually, I'm planning on wearing it. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing a taped stand-up performance in Australia next week. By the way, if you're in Melbourne and you're listening to this and you haven't bought a ticket to my show yet, please do. Uh, it's called Guy McGregor by Name, Guy McGregor by Nature. I'm- Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.